There is nothing like moving far from home that can give you insights into who you are, where you came from, and where you are once you get there. Things you might have never noticed about your personality, your mindset, and your culture are often brought into sharp focus once you put yourself in a state halfway or all the way across a continent. And very often, the people and the culture you adopt become more clearly defined. You may wind up being a better observer of, maybe even a more recognized ambassador for your new home than many who lived their whole lives there. In the case of M.C. Taylor, he did move across the continent from California to North Carolina, and he has his finger on the pulse of Southern culture like few others. His frequent collaborator Phil Cook said goodbye to his native Wisconsin more than 10 years ago also, moving to the Old North State close to the same time that his future bandmate did. Phil, too, brought an outsider's perspective that proved invaluable in his understanding and embrace of the people, music, and culture of the South. M.C. Taylor and Phil Cook started working together within a day of meeting each other. And while Phil frequently leads his own band, he is also regularly on tour and on records with His Golden Messenger, the band that Taylor founded in 2007. You'll hear from both of them, along with new music from Phil Cook, and from His Golden Messenger, including a live version of a track from the new album Terms of Surrender, in this episode of Southern Songs and Stories. Southern Songs and Stories is produced in partnership with Grassroots Radio, WNCW, and the Osiris Podcast Network, and is available wherever you get your podcast and at WNCW.org. Soon WNCW will celebrate its 30th birthday, and the on-air portion of our fall fun drive begins on our birthday, October 13th, and runs all that week. We're going to be offering our live compilation, Pride Around the Mic, Volume 23, which we're expanding to a three-disc set for the first time ever, thanks to the support of listeners just like you. One of the easiest ways to help spread awareness of the artists featured here on Southern Songs and Stories, their music, and this series is to subscribe to the podcast and to give it a good rating and a comment on the platforms where you listen. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. I'm Brian Saxon. And I'm Michael Shields, and we are the hosts of Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a celebration of the art of cinema and filmmaking, where movies and television shows are deconstructed and analyzed to evaluate their grandeur. Guests will include the filmmakers and industry insiders that craft the works of art that we celebrate here when you join the party. Welcome to the Party Pal is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. There is a depth and intelligence to M.C. Taylor, not to mention his remarkable spirit, that made preparing for his interview a bit daunting. It seemed like a situation ripe with the possibility for me to come up short. A question that goes nowhere because I read something into his lyrics that wasn't there could lead to stammering and falling back to a topic that he's tired of because people asked him about it a hundred times, which could lead to blurting out whatever came to mind like, What did you have for breakfast, for all I know? And it is easy to get some things wrong about what an artist is putting across 
when listening to lyrics, especially when you're new to them, even when you know some of the artist's history and the conventional wisdom of who they are as a person, those building blocks may only add up to a kind of rickety foundation for constructing insights. Reading about M.C. Taylor, it is common to see observations along the lines of how his lyrics describe personal struggle with dark emotions and uncertainty, or how his music reflects a view of life as a difficult but worthwhile experience, and so on. Like, Taylor is heavy. Man, he must be deep. And in a way, they're right, but after talking with him, I got the feeling that there was a lot missing from the character I had seen in these sketches. Here's how M.C. Taylor described what went into the new His Golden Messenger album, Terms of Surrender, and he put forward much more nuance about all of this in our conversation. I made it, uh, made it last year, um, sort of late summer, early fall. Um, I recorded most of it up in um, upstate New York at Aaron Desner's studio with, um, the, you know, most of, uh, most of the recurring um, players in His Golden Messenger. Um, and then we worked on it some at Sound City in L.A., and we've put the last things on it um, at Roger Mutino's studio in Nashville. Um, it was sort of a complicated record to write for a whole bunch of different reasons that I probably won't go into right now, but uh, um, it wasn't necessarily a hard record to make. Um, in fact, it was quite fun to make it. But, um, you know, it deals with all kinds of all kinds of changes and anxieties in my life, we'll say. Um, you know, both personal stuff and things that I feel like I'm seeing in the world. Well, tell us about Desner's Place and also why did you go to so many different studios? Well, when we, um, I had decided that I wanted to see what it would what it would be like to make a sort of wandering type of record, like a record that was had been made in in a bunch of different locations and see if that affected the way that it sounded. I was just curious. And I had a lot, I had a much longer list of places that I wanted to go work, but it just, you know, in the end, it was, wasn't totally feasible. Um, Aaron Desner's studio is absolutely incredible. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places to work that I could ever hope to be. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a musician himself, of course, and I think he just kind of knows what the vibe in a recording studio should be. So the, you know, the control room is not separate from the tracking room. Everybody's in the same room together, and um, I don't know, there's something really communal about it. It was, it was a great time working there. Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So Terms of Surrender, the new record, and I read where you talked about the gist of the title being about things you're willing to sacrifice for what you think you want, uh-huh. something of that nature. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got a lot of that sort of existential, uh, the the big question marks that hang over a lot of your work. <laughs> yeah, what, probably the, too, too many. <laughs> well, what, what, are the, what are the question marks about this? What are you getting at? Well, I mean, I've been, I've you know, from a personal, I, I think that the, that question you know, about what we're prepared to sacrifice in order to live the lives we think we want. I think that question feels universal. For me, as someone that 
you know, travels for a living, um, that question is always nagging me, you know, um, because I have to leave home and leave my family to, to do this. Uh, so, um, and this is how I make a living. So I think about it a lot, you know, it, I said I wanted to be a musician. This is what it looks like for me. Um, am I prepared to sacrifice, you know, time with my family, seeing certain not not being around my kids at certain certain important times in their growing up? It's kind of a big. It's a it's a pretty big sacrifice. And you've got two kids now? I have two kids, yeah. I have a six-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. And, and to be, I mean, I, I am with them a lot. You know, when I'm not on the road, I'm with them, and I'm, I'm dad, you know, 24 hours a day. So I'm not working a day job, so I'm not punching the clock nine to five every day. But this is a weird, it's a weird schedule that this life has. Happy birthday, baby Oh, love your brother now It's a strange gift, baby Yeah, you know me better Than I know myself well, I'm trying to repay you For this miles that I'm on When I'm far away, baby Know that I love you And sing this little song One was a lonely number two You were born under three It was lightning quick You lit up the house like a matchstick Four, child, you're a wonder Help me die when the world went under five Sweet, I only gonna tell you a bit of Happy Birthday Baby, the song MC Taylor wrote for his daughter's fifth birthday, one of the ten tracks on Terms of Surrender. In another interview, he said the song was, quote, mostly a love letter to her, part apology, part plea for forgiveness, and part recounting of the day she was born when all the roads boiled over with rainwater and thunder and lightning filled the air. End quote. This is the band's eighth album, their fourth on Merge Records, but the first without longtime collaborator Scott Hirsch, who has worked with MC or Mike Taylor going back to previous bands, The Court and Spark, and their punk outfit Ex Ignata, both from when they lived in California. Still a main part of the puzzle and a bandmate since 2013, though, is Phil Cook. He began working with Mike within a day of meeting him at a Hiskold and Messenger show. I spoke with him as he was hitting the road with his golden messenger to travel from Austin to New Mexico and asked him about the fact that when I saw them play a few months ago, they only performed the single I Need a Teacher, but nothing else from the album. With Hallelujah Anyhow, we had a really great opportunity to open for the truckers for a couple of weeks. And we had a sort of a little bit, we had a four-piece band, which is, a little, uh, is just slightly stripped down for us. But I love a quartet a lot. I think that's my favorite. Sometimes my favorite spatial understanding is four people. And 
uh, we we did like workshop all the those tunes. Um, we just played all completely new new stuff that entire run with the truckers. That was that was really cool, and that definitely contributed to the fact that when we recorded that record, we just recorded it in two days. You know what I mean? It was just easy to go in and do it. But with uh, terms of surrender, we you know we recorded it at multiple different studios with different personnel and all the other things. And a lot of the songs were really built in the studio. Some of them were kind of written in the studio even. So that's kind of, I think, why that was just was a little bit different. It was made a little bit different. You are correct. Um, but each time we make a record, something something new is revealed. Um, and, you know, we're able to focus on just like a different shift in perspective on the process. And I think that that's healthy and I love it. Like, I love the entire thing. It's, it's, it's all a huge learning process and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Oh, 
That's one from Phil's all-instrumental album, As Far As I Can See, and his tune, Hungry Mother Blues, performed live at the cave in Chapel Hill. If you haven't ever been to the cave, just imagine an underground venue, basically rectangular, no windows, a lot like a cave. It has been there for more than 50 years and was shuttered for a few months in 2018, but new owners came in and brought it back to life. If you live in Chapel Hill or Carborough and have not been to the cave, then you really haven't lived there yet. Here's a recent His Golden Messenger performance and a very tasteful version of their new song, Cat's Eye Blue. This wicked one Too bad to be spoken You let the heart attack him One taste and it's broken And a little bit sing song that it sang made me so unwilling you lost something baby it's only good if you wanna make me work for it baby I'm not getting any And little birds sing And the world could be buried And the song that I sing Made me so unwilling Let the light open your eyes. Cash your check tomorrow. Sing that talking sweet alone. Let the light open your eyes. A bit of shipwreck, baby. I sing because I sing. I ain't perfect, baby But you can hear that when I'm singing Little bird on the wing Almost too quiet to notice And I'll follow the thing They make me
What are some of the things that you did as a folklorist that stand out and maybe some things that we could learn about our own or some tips on how to dig in and unearth some of the neat things in our own cultures right around us? Oh, boy. Well, um, you know, I, um, I didn't come to I didn't come into it with any particular expertise. Like there are people in the world of folklore, um, you know, like academics that um, got into it because for example they they love a certain type of a fiddle playing that's specific to a region right or they love a certain fiddle tune and all of the variants of it and um you know while i love old time music my brain doesn't really work that way um i just liked being around people and hearing them talk and um you know, it made me a much better listener. Um, I've never been a big talker anyway, but I really love to listen to people tell stories. And it's, you know, most people will talk. If, if you offer a genuine, um, sort of a genuine interest in communication, people will tell you everything, the most personal stuff. And... Um, so, you know, I usually would start my interviews with people by just asking them, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And that's all it took in most cases. Um, you know, for one reason, because food is such a multi-layered topic. It's cultural. It's, um, you know, it has everything to do with race and class and, um, you know, the way that we experience life. Um, but then it's also food and it tastes good. Or it doesn't taste good. Um, you know, I, if I learned anything uh, doing folklore work, it would be that there is there are magical things happening everywhere, all around us. You know, and and people create um, beautiful, intentional communities um, and cultural movements around the smallest things that you know maybe a lot of other people would never understand as something important enough to pay attention to um but that's what makes makes community so beautiful there are many different types of community um you know so there there's uh you know there's old-time music pre-war string band music there's quilting there's uh cooking there's low riding there's rap music uh-huh it's all folklore you know it's not um it's not bound by it's not bound by any time period at all it's just vernacular culture maybe blurting out what did you have for breakfast is actually a pretty good icebreaker after all one of the things that both mc taylor and phil cook talked about was their understanding of southern music and culture and how they have adopted it so it feels like the right time to jump into this recent live version 
of Southern grammar before getting to that part of our conversation. Father 
MC Taylor about this, and it's interesting that you've both called North Carolina home for a, a good long while. You're originally from the Midwest, and Taylor originally from California. So I love to get his perspective on what it means to have that Southern culture reflected in his music. And I want to ask you the same thing, and also go on to see if you have any observation about what your music may be putting back into that culture at this point you know i think a lot of you know like a lot of life is just like you know trial and error and seeing and kind of waking up to kind of waking up to a lot of things as they unfold and just like understanding you know time and perspective and um so i think what i've learned about you know moving to north carolina is that it's important to have outsiders I think outsiders are really important people uh, in terms of just like, I'm not from North Carolina. I'm not from the South at all. But I know that like, for instance, you know, when I was a kid and growing up in a small town in Wisconsin, you know, in our high school, got like an exchange student, you know, and they would be from some, you know, like South America or like Western Europe. And that perspective of somebody like walking in, you know, walking just in cold line to like a weird wintry upper midwestern helps me understand town in a way that i could at all if it was just me with no actual outside observer there and so like i if you think about just like that example can kind of follow there's a lot of ways that that can kind of follow you around um and and I've noticed that being a northerner living in the south sometimes uh um I've noticed that like there's little details and nuance um that you get that you get kind of the you kind of get to be the one who notices them sometimes because when you grow up around a place it is possible to kind of like let things that you see every day become mundane and blend in with the wallpaper and there's sometimes when um, I'll make comments or I'll talk about something and people will kind of look at me like, huh, you think that that's just whatever it's just, but it's just this, it's just this thing I see every day. It's like, I don't see that every day. 
I don't feel that every day. I don't say that every day or hear that every day, you know, or whatever it is. And so, um, and I think that I've noticed that that reflecting back an outsider's view on people that have grown up there is like a really important part of keeping a dialogue going. And so musically that can work too. You know what I mean? So I think that that's probably what you're getting at with that question with Mike and I is like, you know, just having, it helps to continue the dialogue of Southern music and its role and continual role in um, how it informs all music that's made in this country and the world over, you know? So um, happy to present that dialogue. Speaking of culture, you grew up in California? Yeah. And you've lived in North Carolina since about college, is that right? Uh, I've lived in North Carolina since 2007. Yeah. So you've got a lot of time here in the South. You call it home. I wonder about your observations about anything either in a, on a macro level or, or even just more anecdotal or more specific about what you might perceive of Southern culture being re- in, reflected in His Golden Messenger's music. Well, um... You know, my, I've never been, like, shy about, you know, explaining that my music is rooted in in t- traditional music. Um, and I, I take a lot of musical inspiration from, you know, like we were talking about, old-time music, jazz, uh, R&B, gospel, um all music that, in my opinion, has its roots in the South. Um, and uh, so my job as, as a musician, I feel like, is to take those pieces of music, you know, take the pieces from the music that I love so much and, and recombine them in a way that feels genuine to me. Um, I don't want to put a cowboy hat on and put a, you know what I mean, and put a, put a costume on and play genre play genre specific music you know my music is meant to be confounding to people it's it's but not in a not in a um not in a mean way it's just like i'm taking the pieces of american music that i love and i'm 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 doing something new with it you know, i think your music and when you listen intently it's music that's going to make you have to think and honestly a lot of people resent being made to think (laughs) well yeah i mean i just you know when people ask me what kind of music i play i even i don't have a great answer for that you know that is a a succinct one-line answer there are some bands out there that can just say we're a bluegrass band or we're a country band or we're we're a blues band um, and I, I don't really know what, what this music is. It has a lot of constituent parts to it. Um, and there are some people for whom that is a great thing, and there are some people that just don't have the bandwidth for it. Even though I don't think His Gold Messenger's music is very hard to listen to. No, well, a lot of the subject matter is deep and, yeah. uh, you know, musically that you can separate those two if you, if you want to. But when you start to kind of spend some time with it, it's obvious <laughs> that there's a lot going on there. Yeah. 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 It's interesting what you said. Uh, you make a good point about how much music originated out of the South. Yeah. And the reasons for that are, are many. But do you have any thoughts on why? 
Um, I mean, you know, there was, um, I think there was a working class culture that existed in the South that spent their free time in certain, in certain ways. I think that, you know, the, the, um, the influence of certainly African and native, um, musical traditions is undeniable um you know there was um and then there was a uh, you know the sort of mass black exodus in the early to middle 20th century that brought a lot of these vernacular african-american musical traditions like like blues and amplifying it in big cities around the country and you know those those musicians people like like uh Muddy Waters or B.B. King or, uh, you know, the Staple Singers, all, all of whom are, are African-American, they're all from the South. And, and those are three of thousands and thousands of musicians. Um, there, was a, there was a musical blending that was happening in the South, I think, you know, in part because of the of the comp complicated racial legacy that exists here. There were a lot of people, um, a lot of different types of people in one place. And bringing with them all of their, all of their experiences and the way that they would articulate their feelings on instruments. There's a great parallel between what M.C. Taylor learned as a folklorist and what the neurologist, psychologist, and Holocaust survivor Victor Frankl taught his students. Separated by more than half a century and in completely different circumstances, they came to essentially the same realization. Frankl, from his book Man's Search for Meaning, says, quote, For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself, or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. Happiness must happen, and the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it, end quote. When M.C. Taylor traveled around rural North Carolina documenting culture, he spent a lot of time with semi-professional musicians. Good, but they weren't making a living at it. Rather, he told me, it was something they did for the joy of it and for the community of it. The experience was a great reminder at a time in his life when he needed it, that music should be fun. First and foremost, it has to move you spiritually. If you're just making music for money, then it's kind of worthless. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories. We invite you to like and follow the show on our social media, either on our Facebook page or Twitter at South Scenes or Instagram at South Stories or all of the above. I'll be glad to correspond with you by email from southernsongsandstories at gmail.com or from Joe K at wncw.org. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup on both Public Radio WNCW and the Osiris Podcast Network, with their full lineup available at osirispod.com. And you can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Coming up soon, we present episodes on North Carolina band MIPSO, Austin, Texas band Los Coast, and South Carolina's Marcus King, who now lives in Nashville. 
Plus, WNCW will make capsule versions of these podcasts available on the FM dial once a week. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, encouraging you to go see some live music and support the artists you enjoy here on Southern Songs and Stories.